This podcast is sponsored by From Idea to Opportunity. From Idea to Opportunity is a self-paced video course that teaches you how to book the talk of your dreams. Are you dreaming of stepping on the red dot but don't have any idea where to start? Or maybe you've applied to conferences and been rejected, but you don't know what's wrong or how to fix it. In From Idea to Opportunity, we teach you the same system we've used with our one-on-one clients for years to put speakers on the world's most prestigious stages. In fact, within just two weeks of launching this course, a student successfully booked the talk of their dreams without ever speaking to us personally. So if you're tired of waiting on the sidelines, watching friends and colleagues deliver the talk of their dreams, wondering when it's going to be your turn, go to bookthetalk.com. Click enroll and start your journey today. That's bookthetalk.com. Go make a dent in the universe. Welcome to Beyond the Red Dot, the show about influential speakers, the talks they gave, the impact they've made, and how you can do it too. I'm your host, Brian Miller, the founder and lead coach at Conquer the Red Dot, where we teach you how to book, write, and deliver the talk of your dreams. I'm joined by my co-host, our Conquer the Red Dot master coach, Lindsay Ray Cohen. Lindsay, what's going on today? Hi, Brian. I am so excited for today's client. We have another awesome redhead who loves cat eye glasses and musical theater. So it's going to be really, really fun. You, you go and see a lot of Broadway musicals, don't you? Me? Oh my gosh. Um, I, my Pre-COVID, my wife and I, you know, we live in Connecticut. We used to just take the train into the city, get lunch, catch a show, and come home on the train the same night. Uh, we love musical theater. I grew up in a musical theater kind of family. A lot of professional theater people in my family, and it's... Uh, it's great. So, I mean, listen, w- let's get right into it. I'm so excited. Now, you, I think what's funny is I think you made a Freudian slip when you said introducing our client. It's our guest today that I think we both wish had been a client because amazing talk. So why don't you introduce who we've got today? You're exactly right. I do wish that she was my client. She's incredible. Our guest today is Teresa Savadigo. Teresa is a professional speaker and founder of Bold Ambition. Teresa writes a beloved series called Curiosity Conversations, and she is currently living her best life in Baja, Mexico. In 2020, Teresa gave a TEDx talk entitled, Why You Should Regularly Talk With Strangers. Teresa, welcome to Beyond the Red Dot. Oh, I'm so excited. Brian, I've been a fan of your talk for such a long time. And when you reached out to me, like for the very, I was like squealing like a little girl. It was so fun. I was like, oh my God, is that who I think it is? <laughs> and yes, I'm sure I wish I was a client. It probably would have made the whole TEDx process a lot easier. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, you na- you nailed it on your own or with whatever. Uh, and we're, we're excited to find out actually what that process looked like. And, and I do remember how I think we met uh, on LinkedIn when somebody tagged you and me, a mutual friend tagged us both in a comment or something. And you, for what it's worth, you did do the fangirl thing for a minute. And I have to tell you, it has been the weirdest thing for me as a result of having a viral TEDx talk, because I am super not famous and a very normal dude. I'm just like like a suburban, like mid thirties dad of a toddler. But because of the cachet of TED, it does in certain circles really change how people see you. And we're going to get into that for you in a little bit because I know it's done that for you. So why don't we get get started with just, you know, before we get into the journey itself, 
What was your talk about? What was your idea worth spreading? So my talk is why you should talk regularly with strangers. And it's based on, a. so I write a series called Curiosity Conversations, as we, as they mentioned. And so um, what that is, is I'm from the Midwest. My dad's a former salesman. Um, we talk to everybody. Like you go to the grocery store, we talk to everybody, say hi, all this kind of stuff. And um, I ultimately, I wound up moving to Seattle and in Seattle, they have this thing called the Seattle freeze where um, people are pleasant, but they don't welcome you into their life. And as somebody from the Midwest where, you know, it's a very supportive community driven kind of a thing, I just, I was very resistant to that. And I I wanted to be counter to like a counterculture to that and say, oh no, it doesn't have to be like that. And so um, it started because I was taking a commuting to work on a bus and it was an hour commute to work. And so I just started talking to people on the bus, like we are all having a shared experience here what are you doing? Like, (laughs) where are you going? (laughs) And it was really funny because one day I, um, I just like wanted to remember the conversation, but it was the beginning of my work day. And so I typed it up, threw it on Facebook and then, um, you know, went on with my day. And that night people just went, bonkers. They were like, Oh my, that's so amazing. And I'm like, I do this all the time. Like, I don't know what the big deal is. And so I just kept writing those. And then what happened was I got asked to do a talk for creative mornings on curiosity. Sorry, this is my new puppy in the background here. Um, so cute. <laughs> uh, What's your puppy's name? Uh, Lucky. I found him on the street. The street dogs are a big thing oh. here in Mexico. And so I was like, you're coming home with me. Um, (laughs) anyway, uh, so what happened was, um, yeah, so I started having these conversations. I posted them on Facebook, then curiosity or, um, creative mornings had their theme. They do themes, right. And their theme was curiosity. And so they invited me to speak. And, um, my, uh, and what happened was, uh, at that talk was a judge or a, a, a coach for TEDx Seattle. And so that just, it, it was the beginning of everything really. Yeah. And you know, I loved your talk so much. And one of the things that I think that our viewers can learn from you is how to be funny without trying. I don't (laughs) never felt like any aspect of the jokes that you made were forced or contrived. It was all about natural timing. And I feel like that helped me connect with you on a different level and made me feel like I got to know you. How did you feel getting those big laughs from your audience during your talk? Well, it's funny because one, I don't think of myself as funny. And two, um, while I was, when you prepare, you're basically alone. And so you don't have that feedback loop right? And so the first laugh that I got in my talk, um, I I was really bewildered. And I was like, wait, do I approve of this laughter? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm kind of like, well, okay, I guess that is kind of funny. All right, we'll keep going. (laughs) And it's at that moment that I started to relax a lot, you know? And so I think that that's also that, that humanness quality, I wasn't trying to be funny. I didn't even know I was funny. And so a lot of people reflect on that. Oh, that was, I really enjoyed that part. And it was not intentional. It was just one of those gift of the moment kind of things. 
It really is a gift because I feel like for somebody that's about doing a talk about connection, your ability to be humorous and to have such a vast audience to connect with you tied everything in. And it it not only drew me into your talk, um, but it made me relax in a way that I was way more open to what you had to say. Um, I absolutely loved you. You broke out into a little Hamilton room where it happened. I quote that to people all the time. Get yourself in the room where it happens. And there was just so many moments that were just humor is so hard to land, especially on stage. And it was just landed over and over and over again. And it's funny because if I was trying to be intentional about it, it, it wouldn't work, right? It was just mm-hmm. no. you know, being in the moment and attuned to it. And that, that what was what's so hard about what you did with the humor is being funny. For some people, it's very easy, actually. Some people are just funny. They're just funny. And what's really hard in a talk, and I learned this before I was a speaker because I was a comedy magician for 10 years. And the problem with doing comedy magic is that if you're too funny, the magic doesn't land. If you get the audience really laughing hard, there's something, it's a different part of the brain. And then the trick happens, the impossible moment that the show is supposedly about, they kind of don't even notice that something amazing happened because they were laughing too much. This happens to speakers who are really funny people. The message gets lost in the humor. And there are some TEDx talks I've seen from big name speakers that I'm not going to call out here, like proper celebrity speakers. I'm not going to call out but who messed this up by being too funny and actually gave a pretty bad TEDx talk as far as I'm concerned. And you did it so masterfully. My curiosity for you is, since then, have you intentionally incorporated that kind of humor and you know conversational humor into your speaking career since then? Uh, no, um, what I doing so that humor is a byproduct to me of being attuned to who you're with right and that's what a good conversation is is like listening being nimble being responsive you know just like helping also set the tone for the room you know that kind of thing so when i was working with the organizers they said listen i'm going to issue a challenge of people to talk to other people make sure i'm i go right before lunch because I'm going to, I'm going to ask them to do that. And I don't want to have to have another speaker after me in order to, you know, be distracted by that. And, um, and so that, you know, being attuned to who you're with and kind of like, I also want to set the vibe, like we are in this group together and it goes back to, we're having a living shared moment together And I don't consider anybody on the stage any more amazing than who's in the audience. Um, I genuinely want to know the people who are there. And, um, and so like, while the spotlight's on me, like, how can I draw these people into that experience? Because I genuinely do want to know them. I'm like, who, what brilliance is out there? Seriously, what brilliance? And that gives me such a question for you, because I would have never known that you didn't go into the TEDx process intending to be filled with humor. So what was that writing process like for you? Awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tell us all about it. This is what people, I mean, but this is what our listeners want to hear about. So what, yeah, Yeah. now I'm super curious. What I I want folks to know, one, I was, I was asked to do a TEDx talk. I never applied. So it wasn't like I was formulating my thoughts. 
on the journey um, and getting ready for it. It was a, a long time goal of mine. But when I was asked, my mother had died like two weeks beforehand. And I said, no, I was like, I, I'm a wreck right now. Like, no way. And, um, and my friend who is a TEDx coach, she said, are you sure? And I realized that like, if I never got this opportunity again, it would be a deathbed regret that I would never get over. And so I just, I, you know, something came within me, like they needed a speech. I'd never written a speech before. And so I just like mustered something within me. I hit send and went to work that day. And then it went through like, you know, I think there were 150 people who applied and I, you know, it, it made its way through, but I didn't have to do the initial application, which is also, you know, one pro tip, right. Is like no judges, right. And know your top it be about your topic. And so people can access it. But then the other thing about me writing it, there's a couple things that in reflection, I think are really helpful. One, um, we all have heard that public speaking is one of the most challenging things for people to do as part of a human experience. Um, what I have since learned is that um, it's about the threat response, right? Like putting your ideas out there, being judged yeah. for your ideas, being isolated, singled out. Um, and I was during the, um, it's about a six month process. During that process, I was experiencing fight or flight the whole time. Like the, the flight mechanism and the, um, you know, it was just, it was awful. I hired a coach. I, I was assigned a coach from TEDx Seattle. Um, I hired a therapist that I saw twice a week. I mean, I was just throwing everything that I, that I could to get through this experience and what happened was I was thinking, I was procrastinating. I Well, I don't think I was procrastinating. I actually think I was really kind of reflecting on that because I write these stories and I wanted to, like, how do I tell the story without, if you've never read any of my stuff, how do I tell that story? And, um, and how do I give you that experience without actually experiencing my writing, right? And so then also, I have thousands of these stories. What are the most critical ones that I need to tell? And I selected five for particular reasons. And, um, but I have, you know, I was kind of going through all this, like, um, Eddie in my mind and judgment and, you know, that kind of thing. And what, um, happened was TEDx Seattle, we, they'd already done the press release. We already had the party. I got, you know, on stage and they're like, Hey, these are our people. And then the, um, woman who was the organizer, she sent me an email. She says, listen, if you don't get your act together, I'm going to take you off the agenda. Oh my God. And a part of me was waiting for that to happen. Like secretly, like that inside goo inside. I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. I wasn't even supposed to be here anyway. That's fine. I was waiting for this moment. And then the other part of the dialogue in my head was like, I'm not going down without a fight. Like no way. And so what happened was I reached out. I, that's when I started to ask for help. Up until this point, it was pretty much a solo journey trying to put the talk together, but I didn't know anybody who'd ever done a TEDx talk, right? I mean, Brian, you would have been my lifeline for sure. <laughs> and But what happened was I was um, really struggling with that. And 
Um, so I reached out to a friend of mine. She was, you know, uh, wrote speeches for the CEO of a major fortune 100 company. And she happened to have the day off (laughs) and she said, meet me at this cafe. We'll kind of hammer it out. And what happened was she was really trying to keep her voice out of the process, but that was also really challenging. So then I was like, Oh, well, if that worked, let me ask somebody else. Let me ask somebody else. And, you know, and then I submitted it to TEDx and, um, they were, pretty happy. And then two days later, I got another email and she's like, you don't think you're done, do you? Like, you cannot embarrass us like this. Their standard is really high at the TEDx Seattle. That's where Simon Sinek wound up doing his why talk is through them. And so I was just a wreck. And, um, and I even called in sick to work on it. And, you know, and finally I just was like, but then I submitted it. They were happy. And then I wasn't happy. Mm. I was like, this doesn't even sound like me. Oh. So I went back and I made adjustments to put me and my voice back in it. I was like, okay, you've already threatened to take me off the agenda. Like, you know, if you're going to do that, go for it. Can I ask you about, about that? When you said it, it, this doesn't even sound like me, that is something that a lot of people who work with speaker coaches go through, which is literally why on our website for ConquerThread. One of my taglines is "Learn to speak like you, but better." That is one of my taglines, and it's because I've seen that happen to so many people. Where did you feel like you got lost? Was it the fact that you actually went to a whole bunch of different people for help, and all of their voices became a mishmash, or was it where was the breakdown? Did you ever figure that out? Yeah, I think in school we're taught to go for that A and we're going to serve it up whatever you want, teacher, whatever I'm going to do to get the prize, I will do, right? And um, and so they selected me. I felt like I was trying to give them something that they wanted. I was going to serve it up on a platter, right? And um, And I also, I don't think I knew myself all that well. You know, um, and I also was feeling like I was caught in a grip of a little bit of self-sabotage too, because I didn't, I wasn't accustomed to standing out in that way. And so it was a a major cocktail of a bunch of different things that were going on for me. Um, But at the end of the day, like, here's, here's what I really want to convey to your audience is um, since then I've started to look into brain health the mental aspect of things, like what was the underlying subconscious thing that was really undermining my attempts. And I, um, and so that sent me on a whole other journey, but there's a moment where they're introducing me for the talk. And I put my hand on this velvet drape. I'm waiting in the wings. The woman is introducing me and I have not successfully given my talk from beginning to end until I stand on that red dot in front of 3000 people, Whoa, 3000 people. And I was just like, okay, no matter how badly this goes, the promise that I made is that I will not kill myself. I will live through whatever humiliation comes next. Right. And, um, so I'm standing on stage and at one point, um, I had recorded my talk, uh, like on an audio version so I could keep replaying it. Right. And it was my plan to have earbuds in and like kind of prompt myself if I needed to. Um, and I had handed my phone off to somebody else and it was 
I heard this, I'm standing on stage, the crowd's cheering, we're told to wait. And I hear this right side on, left side on. And I'm like, oh <laughs> my God, what is going And I And they're new earbuds. I have never had earbuds before. And I'm like, what is going on? Oh my God. My earbuds are trying to sync with my phone and it's somewhere in the back behind stage with a handler. And I, and I was just like, I can't even remember what I'm thinking. And now I have this thing chirping in my ears and I'm like, it's being live streamed. It's being filmed. There's nothing on stage, but me and this dot, I can't take them out and put them on the shelf. I can't chuck them in the audience. I just, you know, like the show has to go on. And so I, and my, and it's funny, somebody came somebody who knows me really well during this process, she watched the talk and she's like, you know, you started really slow. <laughs> I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the heck to do. This. I've got v- literal voice in my head. Exactly. It's not mine. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and so I was just like, oh, all right, well, you know, here we go. And whatever happens, happens. So. Okay. So. This is incredible. And and you told us so much about what this conference was like, which is really different than a lot of experiences we hear. Um, we just spoke with with your friend Todd Churches, who told us again about his conference was a little bit more unorganized. And then we have your conference that's the exact opposite, that has standards. You know, TED is, itself is a gatekeeper, but has these huge standards. So you deliver your talk, you get through it, you have the audience screaming and cheering at the end. Now that's done. So what is the most unexpected and amazing thing that has happened to you since your talk went viral? Well, um, I just got goosebumps. Um, So one is that um, there was that lunch that happened afterwards and somebody walked up to me and said, I've had two curiosity conversations during lunch. This is amazing. And I was like, the goal is three. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) But my goal was to add a call to action, not to just have eyes on me. Like, this is not you being a passive watcher. I want you to go out and have these experiences, right? So for me, that was the big, wonderful thing. The second thing was, is that um, I, you know, I, I didn't know when it got released. And then I got a text message from somebody I hadn't heard from, from a ver- for a very long time. And she said, did you see this? And, and I was like, what are you talking about? Um, Tim Ferriss picked it up and sh- before I even wow. saw it and shared it with on every social media channel that he had. Wow. And I was wow. like, <laughs> okay, well, so much for playing small. <laughs> <laughs> no longer your decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was amazing, um, you know, and so, and I... It didn't go viral, of course, like yours, because COVID was in full swing. Who's going to go out and talk to strangers during the middle of COVID? I was going to ask you about that. It, it was published, if I remember, January or February of 2020, like right before the world fell apart. So this talk goes out. You have this amazing... I think I discovered it after we were in the pandemic. I think we were already in lockdown when I actually discovered the talk. Like, you can't regret that because it wasn't your fault, right? I mean, unless it was your fault about the pandemic, in which case... Let's talk about that. But otherwise, like it wasn't your fault that the world fell apart. Right, Tracy. So like, do you wish like, do you think things would have gone differently with the talk or with you, with your career or like just talk to me about the unfortunate way that a talk like yours came out in the world that happened to be at that time? 
Yeah, you know, for me, there's a couple things. One, I think I I still had a lot of healing to do. You know, I mean, that experience, whatever that woke inside of me, that also needed some some work, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, in a way, I think that that's great. And, um, it also like so it, it. I think it worked in my favor only for that reason. Um, and we all have this idea that oh, it's going to go viral and stuff be careful what you wish for because it can also stir up some stuff, right? So part of the reason why I didn't want to do my TEDx talk in the first place is because I'd had stalkers early in my career and, um, and I was like, okay, this, what's, what's this going to stir up, right? Um, this is the biggest platform I've ever been on and what is going to happen. And sure enough, a stalker that I've had for 20 years surfaced again. And so, um, you know, but I'm in a better place now in order to deal with all of that. But I think that for me, the, um, one, I'm just grateful for the experience because I learned a lot about myself during that process. I'm super grateful for me. It's also been translated into 15 languages and it was almost immediate. And that process is not easy. It's, you know, people volunteering their time. They want to be able to have it. And, you know, so I would get messages from people from Iran or that, Hey, I had curiosity conversations today. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. Um, And so I think that there's um, just a, a, a piece about that that is really interesting. Um, and then also, like, let's be totally honest. I actually want to do the TED, the main TED stage at some point. Woo! You know? Dream big. <laughs> yeah, right? So I'm coming for you for help on that one. <laughs> I love that. So speaking of dreaming big, yeah. we only have just a couple of minutes left. So I want to ask you the most important question that we have. What is the single piece of advice that you would give to an aspiring TEDx speaker? I think a lot of people aspire to be a TEDx speaker for the wrong reasons. Like they want the the line item in their resume or their life life resume, right? Um, and I think that what the TEDx people are actually looking for is for you to genuinely, truly be about your subject. And so when the founder of TEDx Seattle, the organizers reached out to me and said, Hey, we're going to take you off the agenda. One of the things that I said to me, said to myself was, that's fine. You are asking me to come show something I do every day anyway. And so whether that gets greater exposure or not, it doesn't matter. This is still a very huge part of my life and about who I am. And I like this part of me. And so that's what they want. They want you to be all about your stuff. I think a lot of times people try and manufacture a topic because they want that opportunity, you know, but like, I think the most important thing is like, dig deep. What are you all about? You know, and that is something that in our society, you know, we're trying to impress other people. We're not actually knowing ourselves as deeply as we possibly could. And that's what they want. Brian, would you agree with that? Uh, I I mean, I would agree with that 100 percent. I think that I don't think that I know that the entire TED platform and the TEDx platform are about the ideas, not the speakers. It's one of the biggest paradigm shifts that I offer when people come to me and they say, I want to be a TEDx speaker. I'm like, then you have misunderstood this platform because the pla- because TEDx organizers do not book speakers. They book ideas. And you need to embody, you can be the vessel, the vehicle for the idea, and your career can benefit, but your career is going to benefit when you stop trying to benefit your career and just focus on the idea and who it's for. 
So that's, I think you said that really, really well and really encapsulated that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. I just think just an incredible piece of advice from both of you. For anyone out there that's dreaming of giving a TED Talk, the most important thing that you can do is believe in what you're saying and believe in your idea and stand behind that 100%. Teresa, thank you for coming with us today on Beyond the Red Dot. And I can't wait to talk to you more and share your talk. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a gift to spend time with you. I really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll see you real soon, Teresa. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Tresa. So Lindsay, what do you think are like the number one takeaway was, what did you learn the most from that conversation? You know, she had so much value to give to our listeners, but the thing that I took away from Tresa today is that push through the difficult writing process because when you do, that's when you can discover what you're really capable of. Yeah, and Tracia should be really, really proud of what she turned out and, and, and who she discovered herself to be as a result of this. And we hear that all the time from people who go through the TEDx process. They go in expecting something about their career and it turns out that the transformation, the personal transformation they go through was worth the price of admission. So I think that's excellent. And uh, to everyone out there, thank you so much for listening, for tuning in. Go make a dent in the universe. This podcast is sponsored by From Idea to Opportunity. From Idea to Opportunity is a self-paced video course that teaches you how to book the talk of your dreams. Are you dreaming of stepping on the red dot but don't have any idea where to start? Or maybe you've applied to conferences and been rejected, but you don't know what's wrong or how to fix it. In From Idea to Opportunity, we teach you the same system we've used with our one-on-one clients for years to put speakers on the world's most prestigious stages. In fact, within just two weeks of launching this course, a student successfully booked the talk of their dreams without ever speaking to us personally. So if you're tired of waiting on the sidelines, watching friends and colleagues deliver the talk of their dreams, wondering when it's going to be your turn, go to bookthetalk.com. Click enroll and start your journey today. That's bookthetalk.com. Go make a dent in the universe.